Americans. This is the Urbane Cowboys podcast with Josiah Neely of R Street Institute and Doug McCullough. Good day. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Urbane Cowboys podcast. I'm Josiah Neely. I'm with the R Street Institute. And I'm Doug McCullough. Today, we have a returning guest, Razib Khan, with us. So welcome back, Razib. It's been a while. Yeah, it, actually, I think it has. Uh, so Two years, almost. That can't be right. It wasn't it wasn't the last podcast I did with you guys about COVID in March no, of twenty? I think we did a follow up though. We like did a follow up. Yeah, I think we oh. did like a one year in, which was a depressing one, as yeah. I probably erased it from my mind. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so uh, in the meantime, you you have yourself started uh, your own podcast. Uh, uh, I have. I mean, you've had like four or five podcasts, I think, over the years, but. You you've uh, you started a Substack and there's a podcast associated with the Substack. Uh, Razib Khan's unsupervised learning. Uh, everyone who's out there, if you have not subscribed, you should definitely subscribe. You should listen to the podcast. Uh, if for no other reason than you get to hear Razib's adorable kids at the beginning of his podcast uh, introducing the topic, um, but. Uh, yeah, so uh, you you know you we want to talk today. There's been some controversy regarding uh, the Scientific American magazine and E.O. Wilson and you uh, a lot of other stuff. It's a bit of a complicated story to lay out, so I think we'll go in stages. But um, maybe let's start with so E.O. Wilson died, and let's maybe let's start with like who is E.O. Wilson and why was he just important right yeah um last month yeah yeah so who was eo wilson uh and why was he important i think um, we can think about it so actually um i think uh david sloan wilson at uh the evolution institute website had a retrospective that's really uh you know good from a scientist perspective uh carl zimmer had an excellent obituary that was accessible more to the general public but in any case um Basically, E.O. Wilson died at 92. He was still kind of doing scholarship, public science, communication, down to the end. Uh, he was, I think, the youngest tenured professor at Harvard uh, ever, I think, maybe, uh, at least in the 20th century, in the modern era. Um, and, um, you know, he was, you know, that young because he's kind of a prodigy about entomology and ants. That's his origin. That's his domain specialization. He is a bug guy. In the 1960s, he brought uh, foundational theoretical methods with a collaborator named, I think, Robert MacArthur. Uh, uh, and he promoted something called Island Biogeography, which talked about species diversity and richness. Basically, it brought hypothesis testing to a lot of ecology, a lot of field ecology. Uh, in the 1970s and into the 80s, he went. He created sociobiology, which is basically originally um, a way to predict animal behavior. Okay, so sociobiology is mostly predicated on animal behavior, but the last, uh, the very last chapter of the book was about human behavior, and that last chapter caused an enormous amount of controversy. E.O. Wilson was depicted as a racist, a fascist, a Nazi. Uh, he was attacked by left-wing students. Um, this was partly motivated uh, and organized by his fac fellow faculty members in Harvard's uh, organistic biology department, uh, in particular um, Richard Lewinton and uh, Stephen Jay Gould. 
Uh, and, you know, of the two, Gould is probably more famous to the public, but Lewinton is a more eminent scientist. He's a pretty prominent population geneticist in the 1960s. Uh, but, you know, eventually he became more of an activist, although, like, my former boss, Spencer Wells, was one of the last students, actually, graduate students of, of Lewinton. Uh, so he did produce great scientists for a while. In any case, uh, so there was this whole cultural debate between Wilson and his Confederates and Lewinton and Gould, uh, between left-wing activism and the blank slate, basically, and this idea that you know behavior could have a biological basis as well as a cultural basis. And you know, um, Ulrika Segerstrahl's book *Defenders of the Tooth* is really good. Um, about this, uh, if you guys want to read about it, anyone in the audience, read Defenders of the Truth uh, about this period. And this kind of faded over time. Wilson became a great writer. He wrote autobiographies. He books, wrote books about the natural world, about ants. Uh, in the 1980s, he made a big push for biodiversity. And he really um, kind of exemplified the scientific, along with uh, I think Owen Lovejoy, uh, the scientific aspect uh, element of the environmentalist movement. Uh, he proposed the hypothesis that humans love nature. Uh, he became kind of speculative near the end. And then in the 2000s, he actually um, moved back into a lot of like scientific debates about levels of selection and the utility of inclusive fitness in explaining uh, population structure and social behavior in uh, in social insects uh, and perhaps more than social insects, as social conquest of the earth would indicate. Um, Wilson had some grand ideas about group level selection uh, at odds with a lot of his colleagues, uh, you know, in particular people in evolutionary genetics community that were really invested in W.T. Hamilton's work. And then by the end of his life, um, he was, you know, commentating and talking about ecosystem and systems biology. Uh, and his last interview that I saw was given to Vox.com in December of 2021. He died on December 26th of 2021. So uh, that's kind of like a sketch. He did a lot of different things to different levels of impact, depth and breadth. And um, ultimately, uh, you know, he just kept doing what he was doing for a really long time. And that's actually an accomplishment in and of itself. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, the, this piece in the Scientific American, The Complicated Legacy of E.O. Wilson. Uh, what, if anything, can you tell us about uh, the author, Monica McLemore? Yeah, um, so she's a professor, Dr. McLemore, is professor of nursing uh, and uh, at UCSF. She has you know, a lot of credentials, uh, but her, her piece is really hard to un. So it was published, I think, three days after Wilson died. I don't think it, it didn't really have much to do with Wilson. Uh, it mentioned his novel Ant Hill. It mentioned how, you know, his, his there was like racist aspects. Uh, there were words like white ex empiricism that didn't make any sense. He accused Gregor Mendel of being a racist, which like Darwin, Galton, and Pearson can be accused of being a racist, especially Galton and Pearson. Uh, Darwin, though, um, you know, people have gotten mad at me because I, you know, I'll jump ahead. I wrote a rebuttal and people have attacked me about the rebuttal. And one of the things they point out is like, oh, he said Darwin was like Galton and Pearson. I'm like, okay, like I had 1000 words. I had 30 people that were like editing it with me, even though I wrote the skeleton. And if you read some of the stuff in Descent of Man about savage races, that would be racist today. Like for his time, Darwin was not racist. Uh, you know, you know, Pearson and Galton kind of were, uh, especially Pearson, actually. Um, because he was more advanced along the social Darwinist, uh, you know, uh, history, but, um, Darwin was not, but today he would seem like that when that's why I included him. Gregor Mendel, we don't know any of his social views. Okay. He, he was an abbot at a monastery, um, you know, in Austria 
he talked about peas and gardening and cultivation. There's nothing about, but she included him in there. So this is, um, to be entirely candid, this is the kind of mistake that a middle schooler would make. But somehow it got through the editing process. Um, much of it was like really, really incoherent. Um, she criticized the use of the word colony for ants because, you know, colonies are bad. I don't know. Um, so I mean, and on and on it went on. It was totally um, ripped on social media. But um, you know, at some point, uh, I contacted people at Scientific American, and it was suggested that there be a rebuttal. And um, I contacted Jerry Coyne, prominent evolutionary biologist. Um, I also contacted Steven Pinker and Richard Dawkins. Dawkins and Pinker kind of dropped out of it for various reasons. Um, and then um, uh, Pinker was supported, but he thought his name would add more controversy, you know? Uh, so I wrote it really mostly uh actually like too no. candid someone else actually uh who me wilson mentored in the 2000s at harvard actually wrote the first draft i took that draft and re-edited it with an editor um and changed it a lot but the skeleton um parts of that initial draft are still there uh in the structure of the piece and then i brought on people over time who helped edit it and give some feedback including prominent entomologists like mary jane west eberhard uh, graduate students you know just like graduate students just out there and then me uh i didn't finish my phd so i'm not a doctor you know i have a Substack. Uh, i write i do consulting for genetics and then you have people like jerry coin who are kind of like evolutionary biologists and polemicists uh and then other people who are just you know working day scientists uh people who are famous in their subfield but you know maybe the general public would know like peter visher who does complex trait genomics he's kind of like a you know a big deal um in my world so let me ask you this. Um, is there any, you know, it, you hear the expressions, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Was there really any, any basis for, uh, was it, was this just a complete hit job, you know, hit job, or was there any basis for this type of complaint? Yeah. Okay. In the interest of total candor. And so I had to, the rebuttal had people a very, I, I tried to get diverse people because that's what you have to do today. Um, if, you know, look, I'm, I'm conservative. Uh, I actually would have been okay if it was just Jerry Coyne. Okay? But Jerry Coyne's a white male. Right? Of course a white male is going to defend a dead white male. So we started thinking, and so um, I'm brown-skinned. Uh, I know I'm controversial, but um, I'm, I'm an okay writer. You know, I ship. So, okay, like, I'll write it, and I'll contact people I know. So I started getting evolution, like, you know, uh, genomics people. But the issue is, like, we don't want all genomics people. We want some organism biology people. Hopi Hoekstra is the department chair uh, at Harvard and OEB now. Uh, she's a big organism biologist. And then you had other people, including Corey Moreau, E.O. Wilson's student, uh, Alex Wild, a colleague, a younger entomologist, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, you have all these people that I, you know, kind of brought together, including you know, prominent evolutionary biologists, behavior geneticists, genomicists, uh, me, just little old me. But, you know, um, so we got like 30 some people on the full list and uh, as signatories, uh, a lot of them gave some edits. Uh, most of them gave some edits. Uh, some of them did not, but most of them gave some edits and feedback. And so we sent something in. I thought it was a good compromise. Like, um, and then Scientific American rejected it. Laura Helmuth, the editor, said, oh, well, we don't do rebuttals jerry says that that's not true he found rebuttals honestly i don't really care at that point i told everybody all right we got rejected i want to post it on my Substack with a preamble a personal preamble which is more pointed sharper and in my voice and i think jerry should post it on his blog 
uh, Why Evolution is True, which has massive distribution. And finally, David Sloan Wilson on the Evolution Institute website should also post it uh, because that also has a different um, a different distribution. Like I will tell you, Jerry Coyne and David Sloan Wilson do not like each other. They don't agree on science and they've had some personal clashes and they were both on the list. Um, I tried to do that. Um, there were multiple people on the list who were incredibly strident and uh, pointed critics of E.O. Wilson's late science. In particular, I'm thinking of David C. Keller, uh, who is an evolutionary geneticist, and his career is about inclusive fitness, with which um, David, uh, with E.O. Wilson uh, basically tried to put the kibosh on as a legitimate field in 2011. Hmm. So, you know, I, I sort of coming into this, I, I, I read the Scientific American article, I read the your 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 letter on Substack, and, and of course, I'm I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I really admire Razib. This is a really brave position. This has got to, uh, uh, you know, really cost him something potentially anyway in your field. But, and, and, and you know, I'm not the type of person that goes around saying that I admire people very often. So take that as a compliment as, as you will. But when you see something like this and yeah. it's in the field, it's, it's got you jumping in and being a voice in opposition to something that's obviously very heated. Yeah. And, and political. How much do you have to weigh whether or not that you should jump in with both feet and and, and defend someone like E.O. Wilson? Uh, do you sort of take into account, you know, what this might cost you in your, you know, in the future in your career? Or is this something that you just say, I'm going to let the chips fall where they may because, you know, what's right is right. Okay. So if I was speaking with my own voice, uh, I was pretty heated on social media. Um, I mean, you might, you guys might have seen it. Uh, this is why people reached out to me. I was enraged. Uh, you know, this is not really in my field, you know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I was enraged. Um, and uh, I didn't pull any punches. I thought it was indecent. I thought it was obnoxious. I thought it was repulsive. It was disgusting. Did they edit it? I said a lot of harsh things about it, and a lot of people. So did a lot of people. Other people wanted a softer. Uh, so you know, the the author is a a african-american woman and uh in science and so uh to be candid uh there are worries about threats and harm and safety and um and all that stuff uh and so you know to be a little bit sensitive to that and so i tried to, the rebuttal i think i tried really hard to be fair and tough but not harsh snarky or pejorative and honestly i wasn't focused on her too much uh i did talk about her arguments i think but you know i mentioned her but it wasn't like a personal attack and i didn't mean it to be a personal attack i was also quite angry at scientific american for publishing that it didn't look like to me that it was edited um it's just if you have an editor who is a scientist like why are they not noticing that it's making an accusation of racism against gregor mendel that's yeah that just seems like oh check that 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 seems weird like you've heard about even darwin you've heard about you definitely heard about pearson and, and galton but gregor mendel what you know i mean it would be like um if you heard about like a charge of uh like um i don't know racism against uh ernst mock or something like okay wait what does that have to do with ernst mock you know what i'm saying it just it, it was it was it should have stuck out to you as weird and you should have checked it and they didn't um so yeah um I had a lot of issues, but I think I toned it down for the rebuttal. I think my preamble on my Substack was 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 sharper, but I don't think it was incendiary. But I don't know. Some people have said it was incendiary, and I tried to make it clear that it was separate and italicized and all that.
This is my this is my issue. Um, my primary pro- problem is not with the woman who wrote the op-ed, although it was kind of silly. And I will say, looking into her background a little bit, um, while it does seem like she has, you know, she, she works in like an important area. Some of the time she's also, uh, you know, there are things, there, there, there are things about like her background and CV or whatever that I, I would personally find a little questionable, but you know, uh, the fact that some, that like, uh, if this had just been, you know, if someone had written a blog or, or like blog entry on their blog or something like that, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But it was a little weird that it was published in Scientific American. Mm-hmm. I know that Scientific American, you know, has ha- had a kind of like, uh, you know, long decline, as it were. And it was always, I mean, it's a, it's a magazine. It's a science magazine. It's not a, you know, it's not like a scientific journal or anything, but you would expect that whoever is editing it would know what a normal distribution was. Right. Yeah. would understand that like it, it's weird to, to say that talking about ant colonies is colonialism. Uh, You know, it's, it's odd to like just randomly make, accusations that some you know ancient you know old scientist was a racist uh when there's not any basis for it although that's that does seem to be a pretty common thing today so who knows but so so that was i think i think that was probably the the bigger part of what made people angry was not not that there was someone out there who had these opinions but that like scientific american yeah yeah, I mean, so it has the word science in it. Okay, it's three days after he dies. Right, yeah, there is that element, too, that, yeah, it's not... I mean, it seemed... That's why I said it's indecent. If they had done it six months yeah. later, I would have been angry, but I didn't think it was... In, I mean, like, come on, let, let's at least celebrate the accomplishments of a great scientist for a little while. He wasn't perfect. Um, I did a podcast where I talked about my disagreement. Well, David Sloan Wilson, Charles C. Mann, all of these people, we talked about disagreements and all this stuff, but... um. You know, uh, it's 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 just like three days later, you're accusing him of being a racist or what? What? what I don't know, man. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's just 2022. So the other interesting thing which uh, about this, which I think, you know, also is given it more prominence is that so uh, they, they declined to publish the rebuttal. Uh, you publish it, David Sloan Wilson. No, we should point out that David Sloan Wilson and EO Wilson, uh, not related. They have the same name, but, um, so he publishes it, Jerry Coyne publishes it. And then, uh, you know, within hours, there are people who had signed the letter who start saying, okay, I want to take my, I want to take my name off. Yeah. Yeah. One, so there's a couple interesting things about this. So as far as as far as I'm aware, there's you know three people who signed the letter, who then you know within within the next day, like said, I would like to have my name taken off. Okay, so I would make a couple comments about that. One is, uh, it was clear in at least two out of the three cases, based on what they what the people said, 
Uh, well, actually, it was clear in all three cases that they did not actually disagree with anything in the letter. They thought that the Scientific American op-ed was bad. You know, all the criticism and like, you know, all the stuff that we talked about, they seem to agree with that. Also, at, le- at least in two of the three cases, so the, the reason why they said they were taking the name off the letter is because you had signed it and you're, uh, you have po- problematic views. Uh, be, you know, basically all the things that the original op-ed was accusing. Yeah. Wilson yeah. Of. Okay. You know, yeah, let me, yeah, let me just say something. Cause like, I haven't said this explicitly cause I don't really want to drag people. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to drag people. Uh, but, um, I, on, it was like January 6th, right before I want to re I need to find it. So I, I I organized this because I don't know why, okay? But I did. Uh, there's some reasons where people knew right. who I was. I was vocal, but I wasn't like keen on. Ooh, I gotta write this, okay? Someone else could have written it, okay? I had other stuff to do. First of all, right? Um, but I mean, the big thing is, um, I am not unaware of who I am. And so I was very, very explicit with people. Um, hey, um, you know, I- I'm controversial. Uh, my conservative politics, blah, 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 all that stuff. And um, if you want um, to take your name off, uh, please take your name off. OK, before I sent it to Scientific American. I don't know what else I'm gonna. I can say. Um, should I tell people that someone's gonna call me a Nazi? You know, I don't know. I I don't know what to say. So, uh, but like, I don't want to like tweet about it. I don't want to write about it. Um, and uh, so that's that. Um, you know, uh, I, I want it to be over for them. I want it to be over for me. Um, I want it to be over for my friends. Uh, to be entirely candid, um, you know, I have like some friends have done some things which uh, are difficult for me to talk about. So I won't Um, other friends have been attacked because of me. And that's difficult. Uh, People I don't know have been attacked because of me and they've been like, what the hell? And you know, some of them have like denounced me and unfollowed me. That's fine. But some of them have been, have like stood strong and they'd be like, this is wrong, you know? So, uh, but I, I don't, you you guys like read my sub stack. Like, you know what I'm about. Uh, I'm not super interested in this stuff, you know? Yeah. So I mean, I, I I so I do feel almost mixed feelings about even uh, focusing on this part because I I I you know my reaction like the the whole thing about the reaction to the letter is basically uh, you know for anyone who knows what they're talking about and who's like scientific liter- scientifically literate and informed you know that this the Scientific American op-ed. I think it's just indefensible. Like you can't defend the content of the op-ed, the specific problems with it. And so my interpretation is that people who wanted to defend it needed to change the subject to, okay, well, there's this bad, there's this person with problematic views who signed the letter and therefore, you know, it's discredited, blah, 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 blah. And to some extent by talking about, well, like, you know, like that aspect of it, it, they partially win. Right. But I also feel like it is important because it kind of plays into some of the same dynamic because as you said, you know, the, the, the people who took their name off, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention their names here because I don't want uh, it's it's less about them as individuals than like a wider phenomenon. But they clearly they not only did they agree with the letter, but they knew who you were. They knew all the controversial stuff about you. You warned them. And so if they take their name off, like it can't just be like, it's basically they were pressured to do that in some way or form and, you know, gave into that. Right. So it's, 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 it's a weird, similar dynamic, I think, to, uh, you know, what, what Wilson faced in the past and kind of like what a lot of folks in academia, other places are facing now where what you what you actually believe uh and think is irrelevant what matters is what you profess right yeah and i'm curious because I, as a i, I read razib's um substack mainly for the uh, ancient sarmatian uh dna studies but i, I read your substack i occasionally see your things in national review and places like that um what is it that is so problematic about you at least for somebody like me that only has a casual interest in genetics um, and, you know, I'm more likely to actually read something that's more general politics. What is so controversial about, about your views? I'm um, particularly, how does that translate from the, you know, the things that I've seen you write about on politics don't seem all that outlandish, but perhaps they are within your field. Josiah, do you have an opinion about this? The, the I, I think that there there are a couple of things, right? Obviously, you did, you know, and it, it goes back to, for people who don't know, Razib, was it 2014, 2015 with the New York Times? Um, yeah, 2015, March. Yeah, so, you know, Razib, I think, likes to say that he's been canceled, you know, like seven times or eight times or whatever. But he was, it was an early case where, um, you know, he got hired as a, Razib got hired as a columnist in the New York times. And then hours later he got, uh, he got fired. And basically part of that I think was guilt by association. Uh, you know, you had, you had written for, uh, you know, bad outlets that were deemed bad. They're too conservative or they, you know, they have problematic stuff. And then the other one is, you know, I think it's going back to um, uh, what we were talking about with E.O. Wilson, where, you know, why did why did everybody get upset with E.O. Wilson, call him a racist, a fascist, a sexist, etc.? And, you know, I think the the fundamental reason was he was writing about the influence of biology and genetics on human behavior and human traits. And that is something that a lot of people find kind of scary, right? And I would say that Razib, you, even though this is not really the focus of your writing at at all, like someone I think could, you know, like Doug could read your Substack. It's not something that you that you harp on, but it is something where you know. You're, hey, 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 what are what are you talking about? My reading level there? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's not, you know, this is not a topic that that Razib uh, really covers. But uh, you're you're like Frank. You're more Frank than a lot of people. So uh, you know, if people ask you questions about some of the stuff, you will you will give your your honest opinion on it. And this is a this is a free country. 
Um, right. and in America, you can say anything you want. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, like a lot of people, uh, like a lot of people are made deeply uncomfortable by the idea that genetics plays a role in human behavior and, uh, like human traits and whatever. And it is associated in the popular mind with a lot of, you know, dark, evil stuff, right? Um, you know, the Nazis, eugenics, right? All that, all that. Yeah, you know, you know your, your, your right-leaning listeners also uh, might find this fine. Uh, it may be amusing, maybe not. Um, one of the things, so the way these things work is these accusations are copied from publication to publication. And so it seems very seems like there's a lot out there to be candid when there's not sometimes. And so um, Evolution News and Views, uh, the Discovery Institute, David Klinghoffer decided to write about um, the alt-rights geneticist or something like that, the title for me, uh, because I wrote an article in National Review in the spring of 2019, I think. Um, so I did that because I decided to do something where I'm going to tell my own side what they should actually think about this because I don't think I just creationism is just wrong. Okay. You can be a Christian, you can be religious, but come on, like we have science. Like this is just, it makes us look silly. So for this uh, trouble, and I don't want to sound like pompous here, but it's just like, it's just like a big, big comment on human nature for this trouble. I got called Dinesh D'Souza, the Dinesh D'Souza of evolutionary biology by SJWs. Uh, There's mass cancellation attempt on me. Uh, A friend of mine, who I got them a job and they actually like babysat my kids before they denounced me on Twitter and then apologized privately. So that happened. And then, um, since I dismissed, uh, the, some new book by, I forget the molecular Jonathan Wells, maybe one of it, it wasn't good. Okay. I honestly, I helped spike, I helped spike a positive review that Gerlinter wanted to put to National Review because I was like, this is silly. He doesn't know what he's talking about. All right. So Discovery Institute decides to call me basically, uh, you know, the alt-rights geneticist. So now these SJWs, they use that one too. So it's just kind of annoying because I'm just like, you're using a literal creationist site. And of course, the Klinghoffer said, well, you know, we don't believe in um, guilt by association, but by like the left. But um, I'm going to do it now. Right. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Wow. So the National Review is alt right. I mean, that's uh, wow. Uh, I well, mean, that's that- your review. No, no, no. I mean, uh, National Review is not all right. Uh, I actually think um, the. I mean, uh, to be perfectly frank, what seemed to have done Razib in is that twenty years ago you wrote like a letter uh, to V Dare. Yeah. Mm. V Dare was a three month old site, and I was twenty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, Certainly, like, actually, I mean, if you, like, V-Dare, whatever people think about it now, it's, you know, uh, you could definitely find a lot of mainstream people back in the early, early 2000s who would link and cite to stuff on V-Dare. It was not considered this horrible thing. Um, uh, you know, like, I mean, I, I guess, like, I feel even, I feel... Um, like silly and even a little sick to my stomach trying to go through. It's like, okay, well, well, you know, you once wrote for this publication and another person who wrote at that publication has said this or like other stuff has been published there either before or after you were writing, you know, it's just, there's something about this. It's become such a, uh, common and popular 
mode of like refutation for people that I don't, I mean, I feel like I don't want to give it any credence, you know, even if it's, even if it's true, right. That, uh, you know, you like, like there's like, you know, six degrees of separation between you and like people who are bad in some way, like, I'm I'm fed up with that, right? Because everybody's connected to some people who are bad, you know. Uh, that's not. I mean, it's 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 very selective. Well, I, I mean, yeah, and the science march, uh, Angela Davis. I mean, this stuff. Yeah. I mean, right. it's just yeah, like, it's always Davis. it's always one sided thing, you know. Correct. Like the right, you know, obviously that is is a thing, and it's like super annoying to us. Um, it's annoying to me, but whatever. Um, yeah, and. Uh, you know, so like Richard Spencer was my editor at Talkie Mag. Uh, Richard Spencer was dating an Asian American woman when he was my editor at Talkie Mag. He's not what he became. So, I mean, it's right. like the, the legend of Spencer goes back into the past. It's like this is a boys from Brazil thing. Like we need to eliminate the child Spencer. I don't know. You know, I, it, this stuff is yeah. just super confusing to me. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, don't. I mean, so I think those are basically the the, the, the two things is that they are uh you know they're 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 freaked out by the idea of like uh genetics and heredity and all that stuff and then there's also the guilt by association uh a lot of it they as you say is just become such a game of telephone that a lot of people they don't even know this is this is another thing is that a lot of people uh they know that someone is bad uh but they don't actually know why it's just like vague. Um, I remember another case, uh, this is not involving you, but I was talking about another cancellation case where someone had been fired and uh, this person I was talking to about it was defending it. And I asked him, well, like, do you know what the person actually said that was so bad? Like, what did they say that was so bad that got them fired? And it was basically like, well, I don't know, but if it wasn't bad, then like, why did they get fired? Right. <laughs> 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 Which, uh, you know, I think that, that definitely uh, there does seem to be this attitude out there. And, you know, this is not. Um, this was a right wing on right wing case, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. We don't need to say it, but I think. I know right, what you're talking yeah. About. yeah but, right. I think so, too. Um. You know, I, I mean, it, it, it's this is this is, I think, galling human behavior in general. But especially, we're talking about science. You know, scientists have these pretensions of being uh, at like a higher level in terms of com commitment to the truth and following evidence and not letting these sorts of, you know, the, these sorts of extraneous issues are supposed to be irrelevant. Um, so I do think it's like particularly galling when both a scientific magazine and then actual scientists, you know, they, they play these games and take this attitude. That's, that's my perspective on the whole thing, I guess. What's the, uh, what's the upshot of all this? Do you think that this, that this whole episode is going to have any bearing on the ethos within uh, academia, specifically within genetics and, or, or do you think it's going to have any, uh, you know, this has kind of gotten out into the, the mainstream public a little bit. Do you think mm -hmm. that it's opening eyes at all to the mainstream public? 
I don't know. Some people are saying, ooh, they know what academia is like now. And I'm just like, I don't think they care. This this happens every week to somebody, something. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I have – I'm a blue check with almost 50,000 followers. Uh, I am relatively prominent with a big platform. And so they are super enraged that I have a platform and they want to destroy that platform. They, as in particular, evolutionary biology, population genetics – uh, there's a certain group of social justice warrior types that are basically they they hunt me constantly along with some other people, and the goal is to, you know, the, e- the easiest thing for do- them to do is attack people who retweet me, like me, follow me, these sorts of things. Um, kind of guilt by association is actually much easier because they can't really do anything to me. To be entirely candid, I work for myself. Uh, I do what I do. I say what I say. That is what it is. Uh, but other people, they're in more sensitive positions, and so that's how they get leverage over them. Um, and, you know, I lost, I don't know, probably like 30 or 40 mutual science followers in the last couple of days. And I probably have on the order of like, I don't know, probably about 10% of my followers are science followers. So that's what, 4,500. So it's not a trivial number of them. It's small, but it's not a trivial number of them. And unfortunately, they're in areas that I really value, like evolutionary population biology. But I don't know. I, what am I supposed to do? Uh so I mean, this is the thing with uh with wokeism. Unlike your guys' religion, there is no redemption. Right, right. I wrote something. I wrote something in the year two thousand, and I am canceled eternally for to, for these people. Right. So, and also they don't cancel each other. Um, I, I will point out this because I'm not going to tweet about this in public. I don't want it in print, but I, I will say about this. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've told you, Josiah, but maybe I haven't. A shockingly large number of the people that defended me uh, are people with brown skins or uh, or Muslims, and uh, they see me being attacked, and it it scares them. They see me being attacked mostly by white white scientists because evolution and ecology are extremely white fields unlike molecular biology and i'm not going to call racism that's not my thing but it's a little weird to be called a white supremacist by a mob of basically 40 or 50 people tweeting at you that are all white af (laughs) it's it's really weird and you know there's some indian immigrants people who are little legit immigrants and they're really pushing back vocally and i kind of tried to say like you know you're putting yourself in danger and they're like we don't give a fuck because these people are hypocrites and we don't think this is right what's happening to you so that's 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 been kind of eye-opening for me because i don't want to say that oh like the color of your skin is like the color that's like nazi thought right but this is how people behave on the internet it's shocking to me that's not how I behave. You know, I don't think I do. Uh, but this is how people behave. Uh, like, we are devolving to our lowest common denominator in like a really brutal and disgusting way. So, different topic, but it seems to be an odd controversy. Are the Irish Celtic? So, this is a weird thing. Um, I'm actually, so I'm writing, it's in draft, and I don't know if I'm going to have time to to write it in the near future because this Hungarian thing came out with Sarmatians. But basically, um, they speak Celtic languages, but Celtic languages as a group were created as a philological clade in the, 19th, in the 18th century. The people that called themselves Celtic were never in insular Celtic, uh, you know, British Isles. They were all on the continent. So, you know, the Galatians in Anatolia, the Celtois in southern France, the Celtiberians in Spain, uh, the Gauls it's from the same root as Celt. Uh, so all of those people are mainlanders, and they're called Celts. They call themselves Celts. That's an endonym. And the Romans never called the Brit- Britons, uh, the Britanni, uh, Celts. 
Uh, they never called, you know, the Irish, uh, like, what's the word for the Irish? Not Crutiny, I forget what it is, but um, Scotty, the Scotty Celts, right? And so um, that was never an endonym for themselves. But in the 18th century, they accepted it because, you know, they speak a, they speak a Celtic language, right? I mean, um, if there were ancient, if there was like a, a relict Umbrian dialect somewhere in Italy, it would it would be a Romance language, but they're not Roman. They never were. Romance languages are from Latin, right? From Rome, from Latium. Uh, so that is the analogy, I think, where obviously these continental Celtic languages spread and these identities spread probably with the Latine culture and stuff like that. And so there's the Celtic endonym uh, spreads all over, but it doesn't get to the British Isles where they continue to speak the Celtic languages that arrived earlier, but uh, continental cultural identity and markers never spread. So yes and no. I think today you basically call them Celts because the name's been around for a couple of centuries, but it's kind of anachronistic, I think, uh, in terms of like, it, they never called themselves that in the days of yore. I mean, you know, the Greeks, they call themselves Hellenes. They used to call themselves Hellenes, Achaeans, Danans. There's all these words. Uh, they didn't really, I don't think they call themselves Greeks too much. They do sometimes, but not always. You know, there's all these words for them. Egyptians don't call themselves Egyptians. They call themselves like, you know, I forget, like, like the country is Misser. You know, M I S R. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think that that's what the Irish, Irish, our Irish Celts, I think it's that category. But I think in the case of the Irish, I think they accept it. Like the Celtics, the Boston Celtics, that sort of thing, right? They accept it. You know, I think, I think, aren't Celtics like a soccer club in Scotland? They are. Yeah. So, I mean, they accept it now. So they, like, it's come to them and they just accept that title, that term. Do you think you could uh, come back in about a week or two and maybe devote like maybe one or two episodes to Sarmatians? Because I think that there is a huge market right. for information about Sarmatians. Okay, like I could do that, but you, I think you're asking, you're ambushing me without consulting Josiah because I don't think Josiah, <laughs> I don't think Josiah is Sarmatian pilled. Yeah, let's not, not let's not have these uh, this kind of like gotcha questioning about this. I gave you, I gave you like five minutes to talk about Celts. I mean Neely, he's got to be Celtic, so whatever whatever they are. <laughs> yeah, we can. You know, let's let's let's. You know, I haven't done a genetics episode for the Urbane Cowboys. What's the status update with sickle cell anemia, genetic engineering, and all that stuff? Let's do it. Let's do it sometime. Um, we can like talk about because I first came on. Remember, like remember the Gorilla Soldiers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was that like 2018? Was that four years ago or three years ago? Wow. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about guerrilla soldiers. Well, CRISPR, guess what? They cured sickle cell anemia. Yeah. yeah. Some women, you know, some young woman. They're going to cure like a ALS and cystic fibrosis this decade. Like it's gotten that far. It's gotten so much more advanced. So, you know, we could talk about genomics and uh, science and like what's happened, you know, status update for your, uh, for your, for your listeners at some point. I think that would be great. But uh, for today, I think we will end it here. Razib, thank you very much for joining us. If people want more Razib, they can uh, subscribe to Razib Khan's Unsupervised Learning, the Substack, Razib Khan's Unsupervised Learning, the podcast. You still have your, you still are blogging on your own separate. You know, if you if you want to track me, just go to Razib.com. Yeah. That's yeah. easy because I because I am I contribute to Unheard, I contribute to Quillette, I contribute to National Review, um, India Today. Uh, I can I, I don't remember everywhere I contribute actually because. Uh, but if you, you know, go to receive dot com, you will know. Yeah, yeah, you will know. Yeah, I should I go to receive dot com sometimes. <laughs> All right. 
Fair enough. All right. I'll talk to you later.